Everyone, it's good to be together with you. I see the kids running out. Hopefully that's the kids. If you're an adult and you want to get out of here, now's your chance to, to leave. You know, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm kidding. Uh, my name is Zach, and I have the joy of serving over at the Woodridge campus, over at the Woodridge site, as the lead pastor designate over there. And I get to work with Paul and Drew and the amazing team within uh, this Aspen Grove network. This is my second time here at the Highlands, and it's great to, to be back. I'm ex- grateful for the extended invitation. And uh, really quick, just a little bit about me. Uh, we moved back here in Minnesota and lived in Chaska for a number of years back in 2016. We live over in Medina Long Lake now. Uh, I've got a wife. We've been married for 10 years. That's her on the screen there. We've got three kiddos, Craig, who is six, my daughter Zoe, who is four, and that little bundle of joy who is just laughing. Case is his name, Kason. He just turned two at the beginning of October, and uh, he is all that there is to being a two-year-old. He was up at about 5.30 this morning, um, but I'm grateful for the time change, right? Parents grateful for the time change, at least on this side of the time change, maybe not so much in the spring. Um, I just got back from Florida last night. The flight landed up at 11.45. I was at a church planting conference down there. And so I'm like getting at home at about one in the morning, and I'm like, I got to get up and preach. I'm like, wait, I get five hours of sleep instead of four hours. So this is great. So I'm hopped up on caffeine and the Holy Spirit today, but it's good to be together with you. Um, We are in a series called Be Resilient. You should have received a program when you walked in. It looks something like this. I invite you to pull it out. We're going to be digging into uh, just some of the notes on the backside there in just a little bit. But this Resilient series is all about having a faith that is resilient. It's having a faith that endures, a faith that perseveres. Uh, no matter what life throws our way. And uh, uh, over the last few weeks, I know Pastor Paul talked about having a heart of generosity and giving, and I know Pastor Laurel talked about believing and declaring over the last few weeks. And today, we're going to continue along in that. But when I think about a faith that endures, you know, I think a lot of times people kind of come to faith with maybe a little bit of an, of a, of an ejection, if you will. They might approach faith and just say, you know what, um, I would have faith or I'd really take my faith seriously. I would grow in faith if I just saw one thing, and that one thing would be a miracle. I think a lot of times people would say, you know, if I just saw this miraculous thing happen, if I saw miraculous healing occur, or if I actually with my own eyes saw Jesus rise from the dead, or if I miraculously had a certain amount of money deposited in my bank account, then I would believe. All right, and while the first two are are like fair arguments, maybe they're not so much on the latter one, right? The first two are, are like fair arguments, I think many of us fail to see the miraculous that happens all around us on a day-to-day basis. One little miraculous act, which is the simple act of a life transformed. A life that is truly at its fundamental core, that is changed and transformed for the better. Uh, we, we see this miraculous work of transformation all around us. We see the addict enslaved to addiction experiencing transformation and now walking in freedom and in liberty. We see things such as the poor and the impoverished experience some type of transformation and now they are flourishing. We we see maybe marriages that are on the absolute last leg and transformation occurs and that marriage, that relationship goes not just from surviving but now to thriving. That's the work of transformation. That's the miraculous work. And I would assert to you that miracles happen when there is a touch with the divine, when there is provision from our God in heaven, reaching down and intersecting with our lives. 
And so maybe for some of you, you came in here today and and you're like, yeah, you know what? I would love to see some type of miraculous transformation happening in my life. Maybe some of you walked in and you're like, man, if I was to take an assessment on my own faith, you're like, you know, I'm kind of a little bit apathetic or I'm a little bit indifferent. I'm, I'm looking for something new and fresh in my faith journey. Maybe for some of you today, you, you walked in and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm coming back to church for the first time in a long time, or I'm stepping through the doors of a church for the very first time. And I'm curious and I'm intrigued around what this faith thing really looks like. Maybe for others of you, you're like, yeah, when, when I take an assessment and, and take stock on my relationships, yeah, my relationships are on the rocks. And, and I'm looking for transformation in some sort. Right? We're all longing for something new, something fresh. Maybe it's fresh new habits. And so we're going to be looking at that idea of transformation today. And, and what I would ultimately say is that transformation is the starting line of our faith. All right? Much like a, a runner getting up to the starting line, getting ready to, to run the race that is set before them, uh, transformation is that beginning starting line for us. And so before we can be generous, before we can uh, really commit to a, a quiet time, we have to experience transformation. And so today we're going to be looking at a passage, maybe familiar for some, not so much for others, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. You'll see that on the back of your program. And I invite you to keep that program out because we are really going to dig into these verses today. But as we walk through Romans 12, 1 and 2, what we'll see is really two things. We'll see what is transformation and how can we experience? What is it and how can we experience it? Let's go ahead and and dive in. You'll see the, the words there on your program and also there on the screen. But the writer is the Apostle Paul. It's found in the New Testament of the book of Romans. He says this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When we come to this passage, one of the very first things that, that we see out of all the things that are here, it's, it's a really dense couple of verses, but the Apostle Paul, the writer, he, he begins by saying, therefore, I, I appeal to you, brothers. And the, and the Greek, the therefore is actually there at the very beginning. And that therefore is really important. In fact, when I was in seminary working on my master's degree, we had a little jingle that went something like this. Whenever you're reading your Bible and you come across a therefore, you got to stop and ask, what's it there for? Okay, I get a couple of pity laughs. Okay, right? It's kind of cute, right? But it's important. We got to ask, what is the therefore, therefore here? And what's so important about this is that Romans 12, 1 and 2 is what I would call the hinge verses of the entire book of Romans. It's really the watershed verses. What Paul is doing is he's connecting all of Romans chapters 1 through 11 with chapters 12 through 16. He's talking all about, hey, there's this amazing theology. There's all of these incredible truths in 1 through 11. And now, therefore, because of those truths, I want you to practically live them out in this way. I want you to be transformed. So what are some of those truths? Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then verse 24, But are freely justified by his grace, the gift of his grace. Oh, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is everlasting eternal life. And he says, Because of these truths, therefore, here's how I want you to live in your life. And so Paul continues along and he says, therefore, I appeal to you in view of God's mercies. In, in verse one, he, he says, I want to appeal to you by the mercies of God. 
And I think this is so important because what Paul is really digging out, what he's really getting at is I think he's asking the question, what is it that motivates your faith and what is it that motivates your life journey? You see, because if we were to really think about this, you know, I think some of us have this motivation based on guilt and shame. Okay, you get this thought, it's like, man, I'm a, I'm a terrible person, I've done terrible things, therefore I need to kind of clean up my life, I, I need to get things in order. Maybe for others of us, we, we are motivated by our own sheer willpower and control. It's this idea, man, I want to be a better person, so I'm going to muscle my way through it. I, I'm going to improve, I'm going to, you know, set the, the goals and the benchmarks for myself. But what does Paul say? He says, I appeal to you because of your guilt. I appeal to you based on your own willpower. No, no, no. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, in view of God's mercies. Some of us today need to allow the provision, the mercy, the grace, and the love of Jesus to take deep roots and deep control in our lives. You see, when I talk about a miracle happening with the the touch of the divine, with the provision of God, this is that provision that I'm talking about. This is where Jesus enters into the story. This is why we just celebrated communion. Coming forward, Jesus' body given for us, his blood shed for us, that we might be transformed. You see, when we think about it, though, I think some of us have a faith, maybe that you had a faith similar to mine. You see, when I was growing up, and the little bit of church that I attended, uh, I thought that my faith was an if-then sort of faith. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, if I do this, then God would love me and accept me. If I do X, Y, or Z, then I would be a good Christian. Then God would pour out his love. Then God would pour out his mercy and his grace upon me. Some of us are functioning in that type of mindset and that type of rhythm in our faith. And I really wrestled with this throughout all of my childhood and, and early uh, uh, young adult years. But it wasn't until I kind of got to college and I came across a, a wise pastor who's now gone on to be with the Lord by the name of Tim Keller that he helped me to understand the shifting between religion and the gospel, between living in my own guilt and shame or my own, my own sheer willpower or living into the grace and the mercy of God. And what Keller would say is he'd say, you know, the, the religion is this. It, it says, you know what? I obey, therefore I'm accepted. Okay, and maybe some of us have that mindset. I obey, I do X, Y, or Z, I strive, I work hard, and therefore then I will be accepted. I will be beloved by God. But what we see is that the gospel flips that on its head. The good news of Jesus Christ is it completely pivots it and turns it around. What the gospel says, it's not I obey, therefore I'm accepted. The gospel says I'm accepted, therefore I obey. You see, it's not that we're forming our own identity out of our own obedience, but our identity is formed by the love and the mercy and the grace of God. And therefore, from that new identity, from that acceptance and love in Christ, we walk in obedience. And so, friends, that's my hope for us today. That maybe for some, for the very first time, we're understanding it's like, wow, that's the gospel? It's not what I've done. It's what Christ has done on our behalf. Amen? We can live into that rhythm of grace. And so then Paul says, therefore I appeal to you by God's mercies. What does he say next? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I'm like, whoo, Paul, really? A living sacrifice? I'm like, can we just like close in prayer at the appeal to God's mercies? Okay. Because when we think about a living sacrifice, right, it's kind of like an oxymoron, is it not? Living sacrifice. How do those two go hand in hand? I mean, it's, it's just the words that we, we sang. The wonderful cross, bid me come and die. I think Paul is hearkening back to the words of Jesus when he said, if anyone wants to follow me, let them take up their cross and die to self daily. 
Uh, what Jesus is saying and what Paul is getting at is this, there's this idea of self-denial that, that we are moving, we are shedding the old, and we are receiving the new that is found in Jesus Christ. But when we think about the cross, okay, it's not really a picture of comfort and convenience, is it not? It, it's not really a picture of something that like, man, yes, I want to take up my cross every day because in our very fiber and being, we want, we long for, we, we create structures and, and little apps that will uh, help us uh, to, to live into comfort and convenience. But what Christ calls us to, in view of his mercies, is to live as a living sacrifice. It's not easy, though, is it? In fact, I'm reminded of a D.L. Moody quote. He said something like this, that the problem with a living sacrifice is that the sacrifice keeps crawling off the altar. <laughs> right? Let that sink in for a little bit. We, we run from hardship. We run from being refined. But when it's done in view of God's mercies, we welcome it with gratitude. And so then Paul moves along and he says, this is what it looks like to live as a living sacrifice. And he sets up really a fork in the road moment. He says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so he's really laying before us, before the readers here, before the audience here, he's saying, hey, what are you going to walk in? Are you going to walk in conformity to the patterns of this world or are you going to be transformed? And so these are just two amazing, incredible, diametrically opposed words. And so what does conforming mean? Well, the word for conform, um, I, I really think it comes back to this, this word picture of, of um, um, uh, kind of fitting into a mold, of, of kind of being formed into this, this sort of rhythm or this pattern. And um, whenever I, I'm, I'm speaking a little bit, Usually my, my illustrations come from one of two things. Okay? It, it comes from either hockey, I was a hockey player growing up, or it comes from food because I love food. All right? And my wife, Cassie, she is an amazing cook and amazing baker. And um, what I love to watch her do is, is it's like watching Picasso whenever she's making sugar cookies. All right, you know, she like gets the dough out on the table and she like takes the flour and she like spins the flour on the, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that's what it's like. And it, you know, the, the flour is all there and she rolls out the dough and, and there's just, it's just flat. And then she takes a cookie cutter and she places it upon the dough all around it. And what is she doing when she takes that cookie cutter? She is fitting that dough to a pattern. She's conforming that dough to a certain pattern. And that's, I believe, what Paul is getting at. I don't know if Paul had sugar cookies in mind when he was saying, don't be conformed, but I think that's what he's getting at. He, he's saying, many of us are being forced to live into a cookie-cutter type life. Many of us are being formed, uh, we're being forced to be conformed to the patterns of this world. And Paul says, do not do that. What are the patterns of this world? What does it mean to be conformed? I mean, I think we could spend all morning talking about this, but I mean, just a few things that I, I wrestle with that I'm always kind of keeping my eyes and ears open to. I think the patterns of, of the world that we live in is it's just like, man, be busy. Fill your schedule. Move from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to where we are so inundated with the tyranny of the urgent uh, that we are angry, that we are impatient with those all around us. And then when we are so full in our schedule and we're running from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, we miss the God-ordained moments to slow down and to bless or bring the hope of Jesus Christ or to hear God's voice in our ears. I think the conforming to the patterns of this world, it's, it's, it's walking in apathy and indifference to the hope of the gospel. I, I think those are just some of the things of the patterns of this world. But Paul says, no, no, don't do that. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be, here's the other fork in the road moment, transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that word for transformed is the word metamorpho, right? It might sound familiar to you, uh, metamorpho. 
but it means a complete fundamental change. You know, a couple weeks ago, about two weeks ago, um, our, our, my wife and I, we went with, um, many of you know, Drew Johnson and Lauren Johnson, who's over at Mercy Hill, Paul's son, and we took a trip to Sweden for uh, about a week to meet with some of our partners over there in Stockholm. And as we were there, it was amazing, but we were like, man, it's right in the middle of October, and we're going to miss the changing of the leaves, all right? And so we were kind of like feeling that, that panic a little bit. And so we got off the plane, you know, we were a little bit jet lagged, jumped in the car and we were driving back and we're like, oh, we hope and pray that we can see the changing of the fall leaves. And as we drove through Long Lake and Medina and Maple Plain and out this way, I gotta be honest, y'all, we were like just blown away. We're like, look at this, like, look at the, the yellow and the red and the orange. And it's just like all over the place. I was like, man, uh, Long Lake in this part of the, the state does not mess around because Chaska has like three trees, y'all. <laughs> Seriously, it's like three trees down in Chaska. It's like, this is unbelievable. But it made me think a little bit. Whenever the trees change color, whenever the leaves change colors, do, do you know what that leaf is even after it changes color? It's still a leaf. It's, it's just a, an incremental change. What Paul is getting at is he's saying, no, no, no. It is a fundamental new identity. It's a fundamentally new uh, substance and form. Uh, the, the idea of metamorpho being transformed is more like a caterpillar. I mean, y'all can't tell me that if, if you were to hold up a caterpillar and a butterfly, it's looking at it and saying, there is no way that this thing turned into this thing and that this thing came from this thing. But that's what Paul is getting at. He's saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in other places of Paul's writings, he says, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone and the new is has come. Do you know what the Greek word for new means? New. It means completely new. It means something that is brand new at its very fundamental identity. And so I think for us, it's, it comes back to a change and a shift in our identity. When we are transformed, we allow the provision of God to come and take root in our lives. No longer are we orphans, but now we are beloved sons and daughters of the Most High God. No longer do we live purposeless, but now we have purpose and intentionality. And when I think about this, I think some of us might be wrestling with our own identity. So I just want to ask you this question. When you view your life, do you view it in light of God's provision and mercy? Or do you view it in terms of how the world speaks about you? You know, I think we could put it this way. Do you view your, yourself as a sinner who sometimes does saintly things? Okay, do you view yourself as fundamentally, man, at my very core, at my very being, I'm a sinner, I'm an awful, terrible human being, there is nothing redeemable about me, and you know what, sometimes, occasionally, I do saintly things, sometimes I get it right. Or on the opposite, do you see yourself as a saint who sometimes sins? You see, over here in this transforming work, it's like at my very core, as, as Peter says, we are now a part of the priesthood of all believers, we, you and me in Christ are now saints that, you know, sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes we sin. That's the difference. That's the transforming word. That's the metamorpho that Paul is getting at here. Uh, that at the very fiber, at the very fabric of who we are, our form and our substance change, we are a new creation in Christ. And so we go back and we just ask that question, man, are we gonna, what are we going to do when we walk to that fork in the road moment? Are we going to choose to be conformed to the patterns of this world? Or are we going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Are we going to allow comfort and convenience to characterize our lives? Or are we going to be living sacrifices? Are we going to choose our will and our way? Or are we going to choose God's will and God's way? So how do we live in a transformation? You know, I think a few things really quick. I, I think it takes a heart of availability. I, I think it really takes a posture of willingness. As we're standing there at that, that fork in the road moment, 
And I think it's so important because when we think about living as a sacrifice, when we think about being transformed, uh, it's not something that's in our natural default. You see, I'm, I'm sure, maybe for some of you, but for many of us, when we woke up this morning, we weren't just kind of waking up and saying, hmm, you know what? I would really like to sacrifice today. You know, I really want to walk in selflessness today. I really want to be transformed today. If you like wake up and that's like the first thing out of your mouth, come chat with me afterwards. I'd love to talk with you. All right, but we don't naturally have a bend towards sacrificing and being really kind of uh, refined in our lives. And so what does it take? Well, what I want to do is I want to give you really a simple prayer. I say simple, but it's anything but simple. I would actually say it's, it's a dangerous prayer. And I triple dog dare you to pray it each morning when you wake up. And so what is that prayer? You can see it here on the screen. It's simply this. Jesus, I am willing. It's simply saying those words. Jesus, I am willing. I am willing to go where you want me to go. Jesus, I am willing to say what you want me to say. Jesus, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Jesus, I am willing to release control of my life. I'm willing to release the guilt. I'm willing to release the shame for your transforming work to take root in my life. Jesus, I am willing. A simple yet dangerous and profound statement and prayer that we can live into, having a heart of availability and a posture of willingness. Jesus, I am willing. You know, as I think about this, I had a really cool opportunity to see this, this whole transforming work take root in the last several months. Um, back in March, our family decided to take a little trip down to um, my home country of Texas. And uh, some of y'all got that. Some of y'all didn't. That's okay. I'll pray. I'll pray for y'all. No, it's okay. But we, we took a trip down to Texas and um, I was sitting on the plane with, with the kids uh, between us and, and I, was, I was praying. The kids weren't acting bad. I was just like, hey, I've got a little bit of peace and quiet while they're just watching TV here. And I just started to kind of pray. And I was like, God, how cool would it be? You know, this is kind of, you know, I'm, I could see God kind of saying like, oh, you know, Zach, that's cute. That's cute prayer. But God, how cool would it be? If while we're down here in Texas for just a few days, for just about a week, how cool would it be if you place somebody in my pathway who, who I could just maybe pour into, who I could speak life into? How cool would that be, God? You know, it was kind of my Jesus, I am willing statement. And I just, so I just kind of threw that prayer up and I didn't think anything of it. 30 minutes later, we land, pull out my phone, turn off the airplane mode. And within seconds, I felt the bzz, 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 and I looked down and I had a text message on my phone. And it went something like this. It was a text from one of my childhood friends who I hadn't seen in a couple months. But anytime we were back in Texas, we tried to connect with him. He didn't know that I was coming in town, but he said these words. This is what the text said. It said, hey, man, I hope you're doing really well. Uh, I'm not sure when you're back in Texas again, but when you are, I would love to talk with you about spiritual things. Like, what? Really? Okay. And I texted right back. I'm like, well, funny you say that. I just landed in Dallas. I'll be there in, in, over the next few days. Let's get together. And so we gathered up and, and we, went, we had breakfast at Whataburger. Praise God for Whataburger. For those of you who have been to Texas, like, you know Whataburger, all right? And so we're sitting there and we're conversing. And I'm like, what's going on, man? And I could just see it was, it was one of those guys, you know, he, he grew up going to church, but based on life circumstances and situations, he was completely undone and broken under, under the surface. And he shared with me of just this overwhelming weight that he was walking through life with. And he said, I, I, I just want to follow Jesus more. 
I, I feel like Jesus is, is prompting me and, and wanting to transform me. And I was like, awesome, man. Hey, I'd love to be of help and service. And so I was like, hey, here's some Bibles. Here's how you read your Bible. Yeah, here's a little bit of tools. And, and here's, you know, how you pray and, and all that good stuff. And as we were kind of winding down, I just said, you know, anything else? And he's like, well, it's that last thing you talked about. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, praying. I said, well, what about it? And he said, I'm filled with so much anxiety about praying out loud for people. I was like, fair enough. Fair enough. That, that's, I mean, that can make anyone anxious. I, I totally hear you. Thanks for being honest with me. I, and I prayed for him over that. And we left and we kept in touch, you know, touching base every uh, now and then over the, the next several months. But about three weeks ago, before we left for Sweden, I got a text from my buddy Jonathan. And here's the words of, of what he shared with me. It was one of those big, long texts. You know, it's like a borderline novel. But he said, hey, I was just thinking about you. He said, I'm praying that God continues to bless you, Cassie, and the kids. I just want to let you know that God has really been working in my life. I have completely surrendered to him. And he is the best thing that has ever happened to me. He said, we have been teaching our Sunday school group for almost two months, and it is such a blessing to Stephanie and I, his wife. Okay, a guy who went from being anxious about praying out loud to now leading small groups and Sunday schools. I've learned so much, and I feel like I've grown so much closer to God. I prayed for courage so that I would overcome my anxiety of praying out loud, and God has answered my prayers. I feel completely changed, and I wanted to thank you for your continued support says, I've decided to be baptized Sunday after next. I love you, brother, and I will continue to pray for you, Cassie, and y'all's family. I mean, this is the story of transformation. This is the story of God's provision coming down and, and touching his life. A guy who was anxious about praying out loud, now leading Bible studies in Sunday schools. In fact, after I got back from, from Sweden, I gave him a call and I was like, dude, tell me more about this text message. He goes, well, I'm, I'm glad you asked because uh, just a few days ago, I was driving around and he just stopped and get a, a, a burger. I pulled into that Whataburger and uh, I, was, I, was, I was sitting there, a truck pulled up next to me and they jumped out of the car and I'm like, where's this going? And he, they, they, they came up to me and they said, hey, do you want to buy a stereo? Like, I don't know if they do that here in Minnesota, but y'all, that's what they do in Texas. They try to sell you stereos at burger joints, okay? And he's sitting there and he's like, I, I don't, I, I'm not really interested in your, in your stereo. I don't have it, but can I pray for you? And so there's my buddy who once was completely anxious, now praying God's blessing and favor over a complete and utter stranger. This is the work of God transforming individuals. The old is gone and the new has come. And so friends, this is just an invitation and an opportunity for you and for me to walk in that transforming work of God. Not because of what we have done, but because of the mercies and the grace and the love that he has poured out upon us. And so like I said at the very beginning, maybe some of you here today, you've walked in and you're like, man, I am looking for some type of transformation. What I want to do is I want to create space for you in that. I want to invite the, the worship team to, to come back on up here as we, as we kind of wrap up our, our time of service here together. What we're going to do here in just a moment is we're going to give you an opportunity to declare that prayer, that dangerous prayer, Jesus, I am willing. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a couple of places that maybe you're looking for Jesus' transforming work to be done in your life. And if you resonate with that, if you're like, yes, I want transformation there, then simply respond. I'll give you the cue. You just respond, Jesus, I am willing. You know, it might be places in your marriage. It might be places in your faith. It might be places in your neighborhood. It might be places with your kids, your grandkids, or maybe even as you're thinking futuristically, generations upon generations. 
You're sitting there and you're like, I want the grace, the love, the hope, the blessing of Jesus to take root in my life. And so friends, if that's you, just simply respond, Jesus, I am willing. So I want to invite you to stand now. I think this, that word, yeah, that prayer is there, Jesus, I am willing. If you're able, I invite you to, to stand with us. And so as you think about some of these different places, like I said before, just respond when I give you the cue. Jesus, I am willing. It's our declaration to him. Will you transform my life? And so for some of us here today, you know, we're walking in and it's like, man, I've tried to be God and Lord of my own life, but I'm willing to open up my hands and release the the control of my life to say, Jesus, will you be Savior and Lord? If that's you, we would say simply together, together, Jesus, I am willing. Maybe for some of us who have journeyed with Jesus for quite some time, but we kind of feel stuck, we feel indifferent, we feel apathetic in our faith, and we're looking for something new, we're looking for transformation to happen. If that's you, simply we say together, Jesus, I am willing. You know, some of us here, if we're honest, we're looking at our relationships, our marriages, and we feel like it's on our last leg, and we're looking for transformation to happen. If that's you, we say together those words, Jesus, I am willing. You know, maybe some of us are holding on to bitterness, resentment. Maybe we're holding on to forgiveness. And with hands opened up wide, we say, I want to release that to you, Jesus. I want to release that forgiveness, unforgiveness to you. If that's you, then let's say those words together. Jesus, I am willing. For our kids, for our kids, kids, for generations to come, we want to see the hope and the goodness of Jesus come in. If that's you, say those words, friends. Jesus, I am willing. And so, friends, I invite us now. Uh, This is our spiritual act of worship. Worship is responding to the goodness of God. So let's unite our hearts and our voices together. Let's sing these words together. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean singing oh how marvelous oh how wonderful and my song shall ever be and oh how marvelous oh how wonderful is my Savior's love for me he too sins and my sorrows and he made them his very own he bore my burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone singing oh how marvelous oh how Shall ever be, and oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior.
sacrifice holy and pleasing this is our spiritual act of worship so even as we go today God remind us that it's not just singing songs but it's our lives given to you every day every moment we love you in your name God's people said amen we'll see you next week Kylan Thank you so much. Oh, oh you're welcome. You. Thank you. <laughs> yep, pleasure. you too. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, good morning and welcome to the Highlands. Hope you're all doing well this morning. Apparently, 